Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. So how am I going to start this one then? Because last time I started different. I, I started... think you just start with welcome. <sighs> Have I got to go back to welcome? Yeah. Okay. Welcome to today's episode, which is episode 101 and part two of our previous special 100th episode so to uh, celebrate our 100 episodes we invited you listeners to ask us anything and we got so many questions that we made it into a special double episode so today is part two but before we get on to that we want to say a big thank you to our latest Kofi supporters um, who have actually helped us get to 101 episodes so thank you we've got Joe Richardson thank you both for all you do a special thanks to Tara for your help with reflections have a cuppa on me um I, how did you help her with reflections because I didn't well, Joe's, know Joe's my old college mate oh okay yeah and um she does she helps her school the school that her kids go to she helps out with the art and there was a competition they needed a judge for oh that's it yeah so she wrote me in i remember you telling me about that (laughs) also um anna nicole eve thank you so much uh uh, kathy farrell thanks for all you do she says and donna holmes absolutely love every single episode from you always have so much goodness to tell and peppered with your infectious laughter you guys are my go-to podcast how cool is that oh, how lovely <laughs> I, love, I love that comment thank you yeah we, we really do appreciate that support not only does it help us with the cost of running kick and creatives uh, it also helps keep us doing what we do and it shows that you like what we're doing so thank you very much and like last time this is uh, where we would normally talk about what Tara and I have been up to and also talk about what you've all been doing on social media but because we had so many questions we said that these two episodes we would leave all that out because otherwise we're going to be literally saying yes answers and no answers because we want to fit them all in and um, and we want to be able to elaborate a little bit so we're going to go straight on to answering your questions Um, so as before we're going to read out each question in no particular order and we're both going to give our answers individually so Tara you might as well go with the first one yeah, so I got Nick Tate West and she says, how do you push through on those days, weeks when you're like, ah, oh, screw the podcast, I want to draw instead. <laughs> so do you want me to answer? Uh, yeah, go for, it. yeah, go for it. Well, I like doing the podcast, so that wouldn't be one of the screw that things. <laughs> I, I don't like the admin that comes with it. So the show notes, the graphics, all those boring type bits, they would be the bits I would say screw those. But... <laughs> yeah. And also, I get really nervous for interviews, so I wouldn't say screw the interview, but I'd be like, oh, I don't like this very much. But for me, it'd be screw the graphic jobs that come in, but it's one of those things where you know you've got to do it, and if you don't do it, it ain't going to get done. So if we didn't do all those boring bits, then we wouldn't actually have the podcast, and I like the podcast. So yeah, there you go. have to do it. (laughs) I've never felt like that with podcasting either, actually, because... 
one thing a lot of us find is that there aren't many people in our direct circles who are actually interested in art or want to talk about it. So, and you don't want to bore people by talking about it either, do you? So podcasting is a chance to really dive in with someone who absolutely loves talking about it just as much as I do. So no, I'd never think screw the podcast. That's um, one of the things I I love doing. But like Tara, you know, it's the editing and things like that. that it takes hours of of our, of our time to do those sort of bits but um we absolutely love recording it don't we yeah I mean there's a guy who who's written a book I don't know if I'm allowed to say this word on the podcast am I allowed to say beep, beep. oh god I'll have to oh, shall I put a bleep yeah you, bleep uh, you did whisper it didn't you yeah I did whisper it but anyway he talks about that whatever you do <laughs> it's always a beep, beep. sandwich in do you I think know. we get in trouble if we just leave it in no i think we gotta bleep it <laughs> children are listening but yeah. even though they probably know much worse words than that but basically he's saying that even if you do a job you absolutely love there'll always be the icky bits yeah don't basically. say it again <laughs> no, I always say again. but basically whatever you do there's always icky bits so yeah, and, and well. things like now I've got to try and find out how to <laughs> find a bleep that I can put over a word and how yeah. to add it in. Yeah. So thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh. Uh, yes. Okay, so we have gotten another question um, from Nick Tate West as well, and she says, aside from Danny Gregory, who has been your favourite artist to interview so far? Well, obviously... Nick must remember how excited I was from when we um interviewed Danny Gregory so much I was literally like a rabbit in headlights and I mean he must have thought I was some kind of loony afterwards but <laughs> yeah um he was great you didn't but... stop talking actually did you for that no one? I think that was nerves though yeah um anyway you you answer first Tara because I've got an answer oh okay you answer first. um well I th- there's been so many and I think you remember the more recent ones rather than the ones from a long time ago so I really enjoyed talking to Dan Whiteson and that's from episode 87 and that was more because I mean a lot of people perhaps wouldn't know of him but I tried a couple of his Sunday art classes during lockdown and they were teaching art history but then he'd do a practical lesson yeah oh, and I just love yeah I just love the way he did that but when we actually had the episode you talk to him he was like that art teacher that you would love to have at school that that really encouraging person who was all about I want to make this fun I want to make you enjoy this so you love it so yeah he really inspired me but can I have two yeah go, go oh no I've it. actually got three but... oh well, that's a bit <laughs> greedy now <laughs> I know well there was another one I really enjoyed which was Lynn Chapman episode 45 just because it it was so inspiring to me that she'd started off as an illustrator, but she was now getting paid to be an urban sketcher in really interesting ways. I'm not going to tell you what the ways are. You've got to go and listen. But just that someone could do something and make money by doing something they absolutely adored like that. And she wasn't having to, she, she wasn't teaching it. She was just doing something really, really unusual. So go and listen to that. Also, Chris Riddell, a great talk of Chris Riddell, episode 72. He was great. I mean, we love talking to all of our people that we interview. We absolutely love. But yeah, there are certain ones that really you do remember. One of, um, obviously, I have to say my absolute favourite that I've done 
is when I interviewed um and you couldn't come on I think you were ill or something so I, I had to do this one on my own um I didn't mind it was um Tracy Fletcher King and we had been online friends for years and, and years about 10 10 years at least and uh, we talked to each other a lot via email um I used to send her parcels and she'd send me parcels but we'd never actually spoken for real like with voice you know it had always been emails and things so it was the first opportunity I had to speak to her outside of those letters and emails and uh, you know I, I had every intention at some point of trying to meet her one day um you know just to meet her in the flesh but um yeah, but unfortunately, she she passed away earlier this year. She had cancer, and um, she'd been battling with that for several years. So that that was so sad. But she was uh, such an inspiring, inspiring person. Her humour was insane, and I loved being able to talk to her. But I think the first thing we did, this is obviously before we started recording, um, is we both just cried. <laughs> We just couldn't did believe you? it. Yeah, we were just both crying. Oh, you uh, didn't, didn't tell me that. Yeah, we both couldn't speak for a, a few minutes. It was just really weird. It was like, oh my god. Yeah, you, you god, can't glad, get... glad I wasn't on that as well. That yeah, I think. Weird. <laughs> yeah, you might have been a bit of a third wheel in that one. Yeah, I think. Would have been. <laughs> no, it was absolutely lovely. So that's that's hands down my absolute favourite um, interview for sure. Do you know what episode that was? I think it was very early on. I think it was probably within the first sort of five or six episodes, whether it was maybe episode three or four, I don't know. And I think it was the first interview I'd ever done as well. And that, I mean, I was glad if I was going to do that, it was with her. Um, But I wasn't used to interviewing people at all. And like you, I get really nervous with interviews. Not so much now, actually. Not so much now. And, And some people you just feel instantly at ease with, don't you? I still get tongue-tied when I try and ask questions in interviews. I know, I, I get like that sometimes. But um, yeah. Anyway, uh, Carol Whitmore, she says, how did you guys meet? What happened was I was being interviewed on um, a podcast called Your Creative Push by Youngman Brown, also known as Mike Young. And um, Tara happened to be listening to that um interview and and thought wow she's amazing I really <laughs> like her I really need to get her on my podcast uh, this girl is awesome <laughs> so she she contacted me I was so nervous on that other podcast I was so nervous and he's such a lovely guy he really is but I was terrified because I've never been interviewed before and then you answered because I'd done one already I thought no, that's fine I, I can do this so we you interviewed me on your podcast didn't you and we just really hit it off and after um you know, quite a lot of emails back and forth and just sort of getting to be good friends, really. We used to chat on the phone and things like that. We we obviously started Kicking the Creatives, which is a whole new story, but um, we started Kicking the Creatives, did our own podcast. And we'd been doing that for about a year, hadn't we, Tara? Was it about a year? <clears throat> but it must have been six months to a year, mustn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think it was closer to a year. Where we, But we'd, we'd done all of this and we had never yet met and I do remember actually in when we record when we were doing um the interview with Danny Gregory, whether it was after we'd finished recording or through in the interview, I remember him saying, Have you two met yet? And we were like, No, not yet. But um and at the time I didn't know that you and Paul, my husband, had actually set up a meeting. But of course you couldn't say that because I didn't know. 
And but I remember Danny Gregory saying you you need to meet because otherwise it's just going to become this big thing. And and I I remember thinking at the time, oh, <laughs> that, that's quite true. It could be could be really you know get more of a the more it's we leave it the more it can elephant get a, in the room thing. Yeah. And um, but I I like I say I had no control over that anyway because um Paul basically pretended he was taking me on a spa weekend one weekend, and um, when the real plan was that Tara and Tara's partner Kevin would just show up at the bar at the same time we did and we we'd we'd gone downstairs and it was quite funny because I was feeling really lazy I was like oh do we have to go down yet and he's like yes yes I really really need to go down I was like okay so we went down to the bar and um ironically I was staring at a painting on the wall when Tara arrived and I turned around and there she was and I absolutely was gobsmacked when I turned around and but the most stupid thing was bearing in mind this spa was up in Northamptonshire and I did wonder why we'd gone so far to a spa <laughs> when we've got them all over the place around where we live um I just remember thinking oh, I cannot believe the, the coincidence is ridiculous it, I'd really thought it was a coincidence that you were standing <laughs> there looking at me and I think the volume just that night had gone up to a ridiculous amount of decibels and, and I'm sure the only kind of person that could have heard me was a dog because I was squeaking like a loon, wasn't I? <laughs> yeah, well, I actually thought this this is a big wind-up because you kept, not a wind-up, I, I knew you didn't know, but then on the day I thought you'd sussed because you were texting me and saying, oh, we're going to Northamptonshire. Is that anywhere near you? We're staying in Kettering. I'm thinking, I'm oh, sure I've told her before that I live near Kettering and um, I was thinking oh, she knows now and I remember I was walking the dog with Kevin in the, and we we're in the woods she was going oh we've just got to this thing are you anywhere near and I'm <laughs> like no no and of course it's, it's like 15 minutes down the road where you were and yeah. it's like no nowhere near <laughs> how could you not know I, I literally didn't know and I literally thought it was a coincidence I just could yeah. not believe it and um and I, th- I think we ended up staying up to about half past two in the morning didn't we yeah something like that over several yeah. drinks yeah <laughs> it was great no it was I brilliant. was terrified yeah well I would have yeah. been as well and I think if it did me a favor not knowing because I think yeah I, would I think have it been, did yeah I would have been terrified yeah. um but as it happened it was absolutely yeah fine it's a, it's a shame that Paul didn't contact Kevin if they if they could have connected oh, so neither God, of us yeah. know about it would have been oh, excellent that, wouldn't it? well then we'd have both been this, this yeah. is such a coincidence <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah oh it's brilliant yeah. um yeah so you've got a question now haven't you i have yeah did your family support you becoming artists do you want to kick off do you want me to um yeah i, I don't mind kicking off yeah go on so, yeah, I couldn't have asked for more support and encouragement from all of my family. Um, I mean, obviously, my mum and dad just are so encouraging. They love they love what I do. Mum and dad, they always love what you do, don't they? And um, so they've been brilliant. And my husband, Paul, he built me a studio. So he must have had a lot of faith in my art to do that because, you know, that's it's not cheap to build a studio. And um, no, so, yeah, really, really supportive and encouraging and and you know yeah I've never had a problem in that department at all what about you no I've never really had a problem either my parents always said that I should do art because I knew I loved it so but I think they were actually quite relieved when I said I was considering studying graphic design because I did like a two-year general art and design a kind of like a foundation course 
and I think they thought, oh, I don't know how you're going to make money as an artist. Yeah. You know, it's one of those, I think, which all parents would worry about that. Yeah. And especially back then, there wasn't the internet. So, and we didn't really know any artists that were making money. We knew artists that didn't make money. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Struggling artists, yeah, starving I mean, artists. We, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think when I said I was thinking about studying graphic design, they said, oh, yeah, that, you know, that's a good idea because you could see that, that you could earn money doing that. And then Kevin has always been brilliant. He's like my number one fan. He's got my art on his walls because he wants to, not because I've said, let's put it up there. He goes, oh, I, I was doing some of the faces the other day. And he said, oh, I'll have that one. <laughs> I was like, oh, will you? It's <laughs> like, but which is really nice. Yeah. So, yeah, no, he's always supported me as well. So I think we've both done pretty well on that. So she's also asked, when did you know you had to do art? So when I painted a mural on my daughter's wall when she was about six, I'd always drawn um, when I was a kid, but I kind of was one of those people that just stopped. Um, And then when she was little, she got obsessed with The Little Mermaid. Um, And I used to do the odd doodle with the kids here and there, obviously. Um, But, you know, when I did this mural on her wall, um, it was The Little Mermaid and I'd sort of got so into it that instead of just doing one painting on her wall of a little mermaid I did I made the whole room an underwater scene I got really into it and I remember at the the time thinking I'd forgotten just how much I love painting and drawing I just love it Um, and I just wished that I could you know at that point make it a bigger part of my life Um, that said it was still some months I reckon after that before I finally bought a sketchbook and started drawing regularly but if there was a moment I could pick when I was painting that mural I think that was the trigger what about you yeah yeah I mean I've always done art in some form and I think since I was a little kid even I've always known that I wanted to do art in some form yeah Uh, my mum tells me that my headmistress at my little school always used to pull my mum aside and say oh Tara's art is great she's really good at the sticky table and all that you know (laughs) you had to have your bits that you could make things but I mean I don't remember things I don't remember being very good at that age you know like five or whatever yeah but I obviously must have liked it and I remember going to the school in America so we lived in America for a couple of years and I never thought I was any good there because their art was all pre-prepared stuff so they would give you all the bits to put together it was very formulaic yeah, so there was very little creativity, but there was a kid there, and I've talked about him before. He was absolutely amazing. He used to like doodle in class sometimes, and he was amazing. He could just seem to draw anything at like the age of seven wow. out of his head. Uh, he's, I think, cowboys and horses he used to draw, but I couldn't do anything like that. So I never really considered myself to be good at that. And it, I guess it was as I got a little bit older when we came back to England, I started to think, oh, I do like drawing. I used to draw all the time. But I, I, like I said, I went to college and then I did graphic design. I think it just got lost on the way. Yeah. Yeah. I was always doing some kind of art. So I, do you remember I've shown you my characters that I've created over the years? Yes. Yeah. But, yeah. but I lost the drawing by hand. It just kind of, I guess when you've done a job all day that was sucking your creativity, that you just don't feel like doing it. And the stuff I used to do, like creating characters, they were always about, could I sell those in the end? Could I try and license them? They were never pure for the love of it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So it was only when we started doing this a 
you know, a few years ago that I started creating by hand again. Did you ever try looking up that little boy again from America? It's now. I wonder if he's doing it now. I can't remember what his last name was. Oh, what a shame. What a his shame. Name, his name was Wing, W-I-N-G. Right. Um, but I can't remember his last name. Oh, what a shame, because that would be so cool, wouldn't it, to see if he's actually oh, doing it, would it now. Oh, it would be. I should imagine yeah. he's amazing now. Yeah. yeah. If, it is, if he carried it on, yeah. This is also from Carol Whitmore, and she says... If you were to have an artist, mentor, or a collaborator, who would that be? Go, well, go? Tara and I, we've got each other, which is great. Um, and we're constantly talking to each other about how <laughs> how our latest piece of art isn't working or is working or whatever. So so that's great. And um, I also have my friend Kerry, um, who's a very sort of close friend of mine. I've known her for years as well. And she's also an artist. So we encourage each other a lot too. And she sometimes comes along and paints in my studio, which is lovely. Um, I only wish my Uncle Danny was still alive though, because he was my mentor for a long time. And he was the one that first said to me, you are a real artist. And I really kind of, it meant so much when he said that, because he was brilliant, such a brilliant artist. And those words just meant the absolute world when he said it. And uh, yeah, so um, I've been lucky to have quite a few um, mentors and people around that, yeah, I can be encouraged by I guess and we collaborate all the time Tara don't we and we do this so <laughs> I yeah, guess well, you're that... I guess that means you're my dream collaboration oh, thank you thank <laughs> you so much I did my my dream sleep. or nightmare depends <laughs> <laughs> both probably <laughs> uh, well I've also put that basically you as my collaborator because we've done loads of collaborating on, and we're all still collaborating now aren't we yeah as we speak we're collaborating yeah so yeah definitely you and if I've got a problem with a bit of my art or something's annoying the hell out of me out of it or you know those lacking in confidence thing is I'll talk to you about that yeah yeah um also Kevin he's very good like that he's very honest about my art but he's not cruel yeah, so if he doesn't soft. like, yeah, he so if he doesn't like something, he'll go, yeah, it's all right, not your best, you know. <laughs> but, but he's not like, but he will also say, oh, I love that. So yeah. that's great. But as a mentor, I couldn't actually say a specific person, but I'd probably like to have someone who's good at the business side of things. So yeah. I'd really like to learn from an artist who's really good at business and could tell me <laughs> how, how do you find the niche for your art and how do you sell it yeah so if you could choose to learn an art process you haven't experienced what would it be and why okay so I would love to learn to uh, make sculpture like, yeah. yeah I've always fancied that you know like with clay making yeah. small kind of to medium-sized clay I'm not talking about the great big sculptures you see in the middle of a roundabout I'm talking about you know the ones you'll see on someone's in someone's house you'd pick a nice yeah that kind that kind of (laughs) yeah weird creatures and things in in sculpture yeah I really I'd love to if I had time if I had the time I'd love to dabble with that yeah that does surprise me actually Mm. I would probably have a go at pure abstract painting I think that might be interesting but it wouldn't be necessarily because I want to learn pure abstract but I would like to learn that so I then could incorporate into a semi-abstract work, like into faces in yeah. some way. But it's more that like I'd want to learn that process to kind of absorb it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Also, I would love to try, and this isn't really a process, I'd like to try 
painting really big yeah in a studio where it doesn't matter so can you imagine if you've got like you know a meter and a half by a meter and a half canvas yeah just going mad on it oh yeah and it's very different yeah working very big is very different you have to use very different brushes and I remember finding that with my marbles thinking how am I going to do this realism painting when it's like huge (laughs) and it worked it did it worked but oh my gosh it was a whole different way of I had to rethink everything in the, yeah. it, not not my in my style obviously but in my in the tools application I was using. yeah yeah because yeah. if I'd have been I'd... going at, at that canvas which was what five foot by four three and a half foot or four foot or something with a tiny brush <laughs> obviously there was sometimes I did use a tiny brush but obviously that was for more detailed bits but yeah when you're getting into it you have to you just have to go for it it's quite different yeah, I mean, I'd need some really big crayons. I don't know where I'd yeah, get Yeah, you get massive crayons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I think if it was I in a studio, some. Yeah. a studio where it doesn't matter if you made a mess, yeah. and it, it, I'd perhaps get some paint out. Mm. But also, you can get those, um, and I still haven't tried them. I've got some in my, um, in my drawer. You know the oil bars, which yes. are like oil pastels, but they actually oil proper oil paint? Yeah. Th- those would be quite cool t- to try big. I can't bring myself to get them out of my drawer. I've got this little sample pack to try, but I don't want the mess. <laughs> anyway, next one. Shall I read the next one out? Yep. Uh, this is from a magpie's nest. I think that must be an Instagram handle. And they say, how do you motivate yourself after you've done a really bad drawing? I'm no good at this, so why bother? After you've done a really great drawing, I'm never able to create anything this good ever again. But when you're in a creative rut, I just don't want to draw. So how do you get through that? Okay, so after a bad drawing, it can be hard. And I have been guilty of not drawing for quite a while after that. Not so much now, though, because over time I've learned that one drawing has absolutely no effect over another, really. Um, it's just down to the confidence thing, isn't it? And it might be that the next drawing's absolutely fantastic. So um, obviously after a great drawing I never have a problem it just makes me more excited about doing another um and I just want to do it again you know when I feel in a rut sometimes I just allow myself a couple of weeks break um usually by the end of that time I'm ready to go again or I'll just do something a bit less taxing like simple sketching rather than perhaps a full-on painting but I know exactly what you mean it's 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 easy to do a drawing and it goes wrong and then you automatically think your next one's going to be awful you suddenly just think I can't draw and that is when it can affect your next painting it's it's not about your actual skill it's about your mindset and I've learned over time now to kind of ignore it it was just a bad day at the office and the next one could be absolutely fine and just carry on well my answer to all of that is to set yourself a challenge because if you create a bad drawing it's just a series of many drawings If you create a good drawing, you've still got to do one tomorrow because it's part of the challenge. And, you know, it just means that even if you get a bit stroppy, because I do get stroppy if I create a bad drawing, it's really annoying. But you've you've just got to do another one, haven't you, the next day? And that sort of lifts your mood, I think, knowing knowing that it's just part of a series and it's it's not the entire everything. It's not that one drawing isn't a thing in itself. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah, so definitely do a challenge, and that one drawing is just part of a big something. 
That was a good answer, Tara. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, we've got illustrated mix. Um, what one thing, arty or otherwise, makes you passionately nostalgic? So, Tara, do you want to answer that one first? Yeah, but I haven't got anything arty, nothing arty at all. But the smell of buttered popcorn, which I don't even like that much, reminds me of a skating ring I used to go to as a kid in America. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Because they, they used to have this skating ring and we used to go quite often with another English family who were also living in America, who, who the guy worked with my dad. And, uh, and I just loved going there, but they had all popcorn machines that you could get popcorn on. So, of course, even when you're skating, you could smell this buttered popcorn. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, that takes me back to that, that place. So now Kevin microwaves it sometimes. And it, does, <laughs> it does take me back there, but I don't really like buttered popcorn very much. No, I like the toffee popcorn. I don't, I'm not bothered with popcorn. I'll eat it, but I'm not fussed. Oh, I like it as long as it's smothered in caramel. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Um, I am a very nostalgic type of person. I mean, you know, right, for instance, there's this shop, you know, when we went to Brighton. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't think we went to this shop, but down the lanes, I think it's the North Lanes, there's a shop called Snoopers Paradise. You took me in this one with weird stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, I must have taken you in there then. Yeah, Because that is did. what it is. It's full of Bizarre. weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really strange. But when you walk into this shop, it's like old vinyls and there's toys, vintage toys, and there'll be things like Fisher-Price telephones and the ones we used to play with in the 70s, you know, when we were kids. And... um yeah, it's, I find when I go around shops like that, and I remember last time I went in, there was a tea service there with teacups and saucers. And it was exactly the same set that my nan used to have when we were kids, this sort of green, and just they were identical. And yeah, anything like that, if I see things from years ago, and also marbles really make me feel passionately nostalgic. And that might be why I, draw, I paint them sometimes, because um, me and my sister, we used to play with them at my nan's house when I was small. She had this like solitaire um, board and we used to play with these marbles. And so whenever I see marbles or I just, they make me remember those times. And um, yeah, and I think that's why they feature in my paintings a lot and music as well sometimes. Oh BGs. yeah, music can really take you back. Can't oh it? yeah, I used to do. Yeah. Be, I used to dance years ago, and we um, used to do all the festivals, and we used to do um, like different shows, and in the summer for holiday makers and things like this. And and back then it was Fame. Do you remember Fame and um, and Night Fever and all those kind of songs? And oh, I love all of that. Was this as a kid? Or? Well, yeah, until I was sort of. Uh, yeah till I was a teenager really yeah but but yeah we did it a lot I mean I did it from when I was really really young till I was till I you know got older but yeah used to do loads of shows and things like that so I didn't know if this was like a professional butlins job or something (laughs) (laughs) we did illegally get paid a couple of times yeah Yeah. and when I go to the theatre that's another thing a lot of the theatres I go to um especially in and around Eastbourne and Hastings all those places I mean we used to dance and we used to do the shows and when I go and see plays and things like that because Paul and I love going to see going to the theatre and seeing plays and I know what's behind the scenes so I can look on that stage and I think right I know that down there if you turn right I know exactly what the backstage looks like and I know all the little 
um, things that take you behind the stage, under the stage, down to the um, changing rooms. And so whenever I go to the theatre, that's another thing that takes me right back to where, you know, yeah. Well, when you were saying about music as well, that reminded me of when I was a teenager, maybe about 13 or something like that, the excitement of when a new album was out. Oh, yeah. Because I remember being around a friend's house and she just got the new Nick Kershaw. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And we were so excited. And I just remember listening to it on a tape recorder. But you just don't get that excitement now, do you? I mean, sure, kids don't get that excitement because music's just on tap isn't it now? Well, so. I don't think they've even got the focus anymore to listen to a whole song. They just Probably not, but no. we used to, it'd be like you knew an album was coming out on a certain time by your artist, but you hadn't got the money to buy, to buy it, so you'd be trying to tape it off the radio. Or... Oh, and they always talked over it. Yeah, they did, deliberately. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that was so nostalgic, because, you know, if I hear Nick Kershaw now, that takes me back to being in her room, yeah. listening to that album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shall I say the next one? Yeah. And that is from Mary Flynn, and she said, did your spouses ever resent the time you spent with your art? Do you want to kick off? Oh, that was a really interesting question, actually. And I I never really thought about it um, before I read that. (laughs) Oh, "Oh." really? I thought, oh, does does he? Could he? You know, is it possible? So I actually asked him. (laughs) Oh, really? I said, have you ever resented the time I spent spent, um, painting and drawing? But of course, he says he's absolutely fine with it. that said, I do, I am careful. I do try and balance my time. Um, so I still spend a lot of time with him over the weekends as well. Because I think, you know, if I never never spent any of the weekends with him, he probably would get a bit fed up. But if, you know, so yeah, it's a ba- it is a balance. I would never put that before him. But yeah, I just try and, I just try and be fair about it. So yeah, but he's fine. He's, he's never, well, he says he's never resented the time I spend with my art. So I just believe him. <laughs> And he built me a studio, so I'm guessing that that kind of answers it, really. What about you, He probably wants to get rid of you for a yeah, bit, Yeah, maybe, maybe that's why he built me the studio. <laughs> you put a lock on the other side. <laughs> no, but it just tied me up in there once. Oh, oh dear. Yeah, don't, but that was, don't, no, don't, don't, get any, don't get any ideas. It was nothing like that. He, um, we were doing one of our silly YouTube videos. Oh, the one we did, yeah. Yeah, uh, for kicking yeah. the creative. And I said, right, I know this is a really weird thing to ask you, Paul, but can you come in my art studio? Can you just tie me to this chair? And he was <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and then I said, don't get excited about this. <laughs> We're not trying any new experiments here. I just need you to tie me up quickly. And then when I call you back, you're going to have to untie me. <laughs> so I just had to do this a really silly little bit of video footage with me tied up. I can't remember what the video was about now constraints but he could oh that's right working with constraints yeah he he could have been really horrible he could have just left left you there and he didn't do it very tight either which is nice (laughs) yeah so what about you does kevin ever do you think no i actually think he quite likes it because it means he can watch what he likes on tv so he can watch sport without me moaning i think yeah and i would actually say if anything it's more the other way around because he's a mad golf player yeah he loves golf and I'm probably more the person that gets annoyed because he's playing golf so much <laughs> because in in the summer it'll be like because he, he plays every Saturday morning but then in the sun, summer it'll also be a Thursday night he plays and then sometimes it's also oh I've also got a tournament on Sunday so basically <laughs> Saturday morning Sunday morning Thursday night 
and then odd times you'd be like oh i'm going to meet my mate you know another day as well maybe in the afternoon Oh, yes. Yeah, I see if Paul did that, I suppose I'd just go, oh, I can have, I can draw. <laughs> you know, it was it was fine, it wasn't so bad. It's when we got the pup. It oh, worse. it's the pup, isn't it? That's what's yeah. <laughs> Although some of the time I just think as well, because I think, oh, you know, when he was going out to work rather than working from home so much, you know, the weekend would be the time you got to see each other. Yeah. So if he was out on a Saturday morning and a Sunday morning, by the time he'd get back, he'd be tired from playing golf. Yeah. So you, you wouldn't be able to do much. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, this um, this question comes from um, Paul's cousin Jeremy Jeremy Jones Bateman, and he says, "If you had to paint the same thing for the rest of your life, what would you choose?" Um, so, uh, what's your answer to that, Tara? Well, I bet we could say each other's here. Yeah, yours are the so, faces. Yeah, and yours would either be marbles or glass. Glass, yeah, <laughs> and it would be glass. Um, why faces first of all um do you know i couldn't actually pinpoint why faces but i don't know maybe it's because they're also different they are also different but also it's like i don't like complicated and to me big scenes are complicated you know mm. like if you've got things with loads of windows or a landscape there's so many different things going on i like just that one thing to concentrate on yeah uh, but it wouldn't be the same face like my 50, you know, my 50 day challenge. Yeah, no. Yeah. It'd be different faces. Yeah. yeah. So what, why glass? Or would it be glass or marbles? It would be glass. And I think that include marbles. Yeah. Because then I could do yeah. anything made of glass. Exactly. Yeah. But I think because with glass, you can always paint or draw other things reflected in it. So essentially, it means I can still paint anything. Ah, very clever. Mm. And actually, yeah. it's funny. I noticed a little while ago in one of my wine bottle paintings, and I kind of saw this shape, and and from the distance, I thought, oh god, I just realised that's actually that's actually me. Obviously, there was no detail in it; it was just a shape. I realised that that was actually a reflection of me. <laughs> so I could play around with that at some point. I have you could thinking. put yourself into every painting, couldn't you? Yeah, as a signature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so next question. You want to answer? Do you want to ask this one? Yeah, this is Esther Arroyo, and she says, "What about art competitions? I personally know some artists who make a living, or at least get a decent amount of money, from taking part in contests." Well, I want to know who's. Co- I want to know where these contests are. That you <laughs> yeah. can just make a living from. My God, I mean, I've entered the odd one, and I've even won an award from one, but it's it's not something I do very often at all, to be honest. And I probably should enter more of them, but. I suppose, yeah. I, see, I get put off if you have to pay to enter because I was yeah, thinking, I don't, yeah, I don't want to do that because I just think it's, it's. I don't know. It, it makes it, it's a little red flag for me. Um, and then quite often another competition comes along and I've missed it because I've, I didn't know it was even on. <laughs> so yeah, I would probably, I would like to enter more, but yeah, it's just, yeah, I never really do very often. What about you? What well, did you win money for that one that you entered? No, I just won an award, but then that yeah. that actually made me able to to say uh, uh, to, to to be an award winning artist. Yeah. <laughs> but like I've told you before, I can say award winning artist because I won a hamster cage. When yeah, I was about seven. why not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, stuff like that's quite weird. But it's just because she's saying that her friends are making a decent amount of money, so they're obviously getting some quite big pots, aren't they? They're yeah, winning they must have. big, yeah. But I don't really 
enter competition I've, i think i've entered the odd one or two in the past but like you they seem too expensive because you know if they're like 35 quid here 35 quid there that soon mounts up to quite a bit of money unless you're actually winning them doesn't it and yeah the chances if, depending on how many artists is quite slim of you winning because yeah. it's not just about are you the best artist it's about, about opinion isn't it exactly you know when you enter these competitions and it's to get shown in the gallery you know like big london galleries or like in birmingham they have a, a royal birmingham society of artists yeah. i've entered those before i didn't get in the london one but i've got into the birmingham one not not won it or anything but you know it's been shown but to be honest it didn't get me anywhere because nobody bought it so you know i suppose i have the pleasure of saying could say that i've been exhibited in yeah. the gallery but yeah no not really anyway we've got kate polakek would love some tips on setting up studio space whether a small corner or a room in the house or something outside the home uh, how to do it on a limited budget any lessons learned from setting yours up what would you change what's your ideal dream setup and would you consider sharing space with another artist so loads of questions all in one there and also um art by christina oh hang on um art by Remter. Yeah, Christina, Christina Remter. Um, she also says, I would love some tips on setting up studio space too and what's budget friendly. And I, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll answer this. Yeah, because you know more than me. Well, <laughs> I would say go back and listen to episode 15 because, um, and it was called How to Make the Best of Your Creative Space. Um, and that's whether it's, uh, you know, a, a corner of your bedroom or an art studio. And we share loads of tips in there um on that so um i all i would say because i mean this is an epic question it we could do a whole episode which we have done <laughs> on this subject um one of the most important things i would say to consider is light so that would be the first thing i would consider if you have the option to choose a space in your house or outdoors make sure the light's not going to be you know a problem because it needs to really be a light that doesn't change too much maybe not direct south facing north facing is obviously ideal um as for sharing a space well my friend kerry she doesn't have a studio of her own so she comes to paint in mind sometimes and it's lovely i like the company she doesn't except probably only uh, you know every now and then when she's got a painting on the go she might come in a couple of days a week but it's really nice um I mean, I always dreamed of having my own space and Paul built me one. So I guess I have my my dream space already. Um, and I and I learned lessons from having the spaces I've tried before that have made me able to say, right, no, I've made that mistake last time. So this time I'm going to do this and this time I'm going to do that. So, um, yeah, I, I would say definitely go back and listen to that episode because that will probably answer all of those questions in much more depth. Yeah, I mean, I don't have much to add, really. My studio is this big makeshift <laughs> messy. So it's really my office, so it's not really ideal. I've got loads of those cheap plastic drawers to store my art materials in, but they're sort of ever-expanding because I'm, I'm a bit of an addict to art materials, like most of us probably are. Yeah, yeah. But I did find these things that I thought were really good a little while ago, and they're these little mini sets of drawers that will fit pens in. So they'll fit... They're kind of, you know, they're like a bit longer than the pen and I don't know how wide, maybe 15 centimetres wide these drawers. But they're great because you never know what to do with pens. I had like millions of pencil cases. Yeah. But 
but you get a set of these that are like five drawers so at least that keeps those a little bit tidier uh, regarding sharing a space i would hate it i would not want to share an art space at all is that because some... you were an only child tara <laughs> <laughs> wasn't i you didn't have oh no you weren't oh yeah but you were for 10 years you've got 12 10 years 12 years between you and your no, brother <laughs> i tell you what would be all right i wouldn't mind sharing if you had like so you weren't in the same room you had your own studio but then you had like a, a separate like you know tea making thing mm. that you shared that would be all right yeah. But I wouldn't actually like to be in the same room. I don't know. I just, so I guess I I'm not invited to yours to do any painting anytime soon then. <laughs> no, well, you can be in another room next to me and we share the toilet. <laughs> if you're over a day, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But no. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be in the same room. Yeah. It, would, it just, yeah, it wouldn't work for me. I like <laughs> being on my own. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't mind my own company at all. I've never yeah. minded my own company, but I don't mind company either. I can take it or leave it. I mean, one or one or the other doesn't really matter to me. Oh, I don't mind company, but not when I'm drawing. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I want that concentration yeah. kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And it'd be nice if you shared a space, so you'd you'd got your separate studios, but then you've got this communal area, you know, like a little coffee area and stuff. Yeah. That'd be great because you go, oh, I'm stuck on this. Can you come and have a look? Yeah, you know what that's, I mean? what, that's so you, what Kerry and I do that. <laughs> imagine that me and you, we had a studio, we had two next little doors, studios yeah. next door, yeah. but then we had a little coffee area and they go, yeah. and they'd come and knock on the other person's door and go, can you come look at this? See, I'd be too lazy to do that. Well, I'd, ha- I'd have to have one of those um, bells that ring in the other oh. room if you press a button. I, I just keep butler, ringing the bell. You? <laughs> I'm not your butler. <laughs> I just go, ting, ting. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. next question. Next question is art by Jackie P. And she says, do either of you get dirty while painting? I mean, covered in paint. Ha ha. Or are you calm, careful and methodical in keeping clean and tidy as you go? Does your workstation say pretty neat? I think when she says, do either of you get dirty while painting? She was thinking of something else. And then she said, I mean, covered in paint. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I took it, but that might be my my mind is in the gutter. I think your mind's in the gutter. I didn't read it that way. No, I definitely read it that way. Okay. Um, No, I've never tried getting dirty while painting. Never tried that. Um, uh, I, as you probably know, um, Jackie, I've talked about it before where I'm a bit, almost a bit OCD. And when my studio's a mess oh I, I it has to be clean before I start if, if it's a mess I don't even want to go in there so before I go in to paint I'll sweep the floor in there or I will and like between each painting I have to then give it a thorough clean and then take the table covering off and cover it with a new clean one and yeah I I am quite yeah I do like keeping it tidy but, you know, that when I see these artists like on Instagram and that and they're in their studio space and it is just like a bomb has gone. You know, it's like literally covered in paintings all over the place, paint all up the walls. And I think, wow, you know, that is really a sign of a prolific artist. And that's what a real artist should look like. That's a real art studio. But I couldn't work in that. I just couldn't work amongst that chaos. I know I couldn't. Well, if I just showed you a picture now of my room if I took you a little video you'd say oh she's definitely not tidy oh really yeah I you know I'm not tidy honestly it always looks tidy to me when you show me 
boundary oh, studio. It's really not. It's probably because I've tied it up. Mm. But like, I've got things stacked everywhere. So below my desk, I've got boxes with paint in, and then I've got some tablecloths thrown over another box. I've got all sorts of stuff on top because I'm doing this challenge. I'm I'm just really bad because I sometimes I I get stuff out and I think eh, I might as well leave it out. I might need it tomorrow because I'm doing the challenge and I probably won't need it tomorrow because I might use something different. But yeah, it just looks a complete mess. So then I'll get to maybe the end of a week or end of two weeks and I think, oh, I really better mm. sort that out a bit. So yeah, I'm a right old mess. Well, Jackie also asked, do you get fed up with artwork? Do you have periods when you don't do any art because you just don't want to? Do you feel the need to get away from everything arty for a day or two? And my answer to that would be yes. There are times when I do feel the need to step away for a bit, um, even if it's just to give myself a bit of time to recharge. And it's not that I ever get fed up with artwork because I really don't. It's more that sometimes perhaps I've got quite a lot of plates spinning and sometimes I've got to put other things first for a bit until I'm caught up. And I think that's that's probably the case for most of us, isn't it? What about you, Tara? Yeah, I was going to say the same. I don't really get fed up as such. I just mm. don't necessarily make any. So I'll go through phases like I purposely set myself challenges because I don't make art, which is crazy. But sometimes I just don't make art unless I set myself a challenge. And that's purely because... I'll start doing other stuff. So I'll start thinking, oh, I need to finish that for kicking the creatives. Oh, yeah. I need to do that bit of work. I need to do that. And they will all become my priority. If I know I've got deadlines for certain things, yeah. that's not a problem at all. It's when there isn't any deadline as a problem. Yeah. And also when, say, is like making art a priority. Because if I want to do that, art needs to be a priority, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. But I... I and and we might have done a, I don't know if we've done a podcast this, about this before, but I feel guilty about making art sometimes. Yeah. Oh, we, we have done a, we have done a, an episode on um, art and guilt, haven't we? The feeling of guilt. Yeah. Because I, I do feel guilty about making art for my challenge at the moment. So, yeah. But th- but then I'll go through phases. So I'll do a challenge for like fifty days, and then I just won't do much for maybe two weeks, a month. Yeah, I might do little sketches and doodles and stuff, but nothing, you know, nothing too, too big. So yeah, I have to have breaks in between. I think it, I think it works better for me that way. I think a lot of artists do, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Jackie also asked, do you have any art sessions ritualistic, like lighting a candle or doing a short meditation or stretching the body? Um, no, I definitely don't do meditation. I'm rubbish at that. <laughs> I don't do anything like that, but I do consider when I turn the fairy lights on in my art room, I've got some fairy lights sort of wrapped around some um, leaves. And as soon as they go on, that is that is my um, sign that this is time, this is painting time. Hmm. The only thing I do really is I like to do you know, the YMCA moves. <laughs> you don't. I don't. Do you sing it? No, I don't do any of it. Do you, want a, little, do you no. want to do a little demonstration now? <laughs> no, I don't do any. I've got no rituals at all. Just get <laughs> me crayons out. That's it. <laughs> you, you imagining me doing YMCA? Now? I am. I'm, I, and I'm imagining you in this like leather jacket with a, like a leather <laughs> collar on. <laughs> like a choker. <laughs> oh, that would be our new YouTube video, won't oh, it? Oh, yeah. We'll both be doing YMCA. Yeah, we painting. should do a video on our rituals. <laughs> Okay, right. That's why we stopped doing YouTube for a while, isn't it? Because we got too well, stupid. Yeah, we did. <laughs> uh, shall I read the next question? Yeah, go on. Yeah. 
any catastrophes oh this is also from art by jackie p any catastrophes leaving your acrylic paints out by mistake spilling coffee on your drawings not making the deadline unhappy customer uh okay well uh, for me none that i can remember apart from once when and this was a bit no, actually this was a real catastrophe i wrapped three small oil paintings in bubble wrap to take them to an exhibition and there was a reaction between the bubble wrap and the oils and even though that those paintings had they were i don't know nearly a year old um they were ruined they were completely ruined and that's a really good tip to remember if you're going to wrap oil paintings always make sure you wrap them in acid-free tissue paper first before you put bubble wrap anywhere near it and I think that might actually have been one of the tips we shared in episode 17 and it was called general tips for artists and that was actually I think you'll probably quite enjoy that episode if you haven't heard that one before but yeah basically that was I learned the hard way that bubble wrap can actually react with oils and it caused this sort of hideous, shiny pattern all over the, the paintings. And I just couldn't rectify them. God. Especially with four. I knew you'd done it with one. No, three. Three. Oh, right. Yeah. God. Yeah. Nightmare. Yeah. Um, well, I don't, I haven't really had any disasters as such. I do tend to leave the lids off of glue sticks. <laughs> it's not really big. Thing, <laughs> you know, when I'm doing Oh, that's shocking, Tara. I mean, that's I such know. a catastrophe. Oh, God. <laughs> Um, no, so I dry them out, but that's not a big deal. But I do remember at college once, um, we used to have a, a print room, a screen printing room. And it was when you used to, it was that course where you tried all different things out. So we could make screens and then you'd get your squidgy with your, you'd get ink that you could use on clothes and all sorts. And you'd put your ink down and you'd pull it along over your screen. So it just leaves a bit that wasn't masked. And I remember doing that. And somehow at the end, it flicked up at me. So I literally, I had a top that was literally covered. I was completely covered in paint. Did you not do a selfie and put it on Instagram? That would have been perfect. Selfie? Did you do selfies back then? <laughs> oh, no, of course. You'd have to wait two weeks. They probably wouldn't be. Yeah, there probably wouldn't be Instagram either. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no, so yeah, that yeah. was about the worst. But yeah. So we've also got Kaveri Barath. What kind of art do you really dislike? What about you, Tara? I'm not keen on really pretentious art, like mm. modern art, like a banana stuck to a wall or a dot or a cross, you know, in a frame. Stuff like that that to me is more about the artist taking the pick. Yeah. Oh terrible. God, it's another bleep oh, now. I've got bleep in. Um, <laughs> but yeah, to me, they don't really have any merit apart from, I guess, um, almost having a laugh in a way. So it's, it's making a mockery out of art. Yeah. Taking them but in, in. It, but in a way, the fact that they can do it is kind of art, I guess. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean... I, it, it reminds me of that, I've spoken about this before, it reminds me of that exhibition of blank canvases. Do you remember I talked about that? No, I don't remember that. Yeah, no. there was, a, there was a, an exhibition of blank canvases in London. And basically what it was supposed to be, what the artist was trying to say was that you see in the canvas what, you, you know, you, 
you what see you what you want to see. And I remember my dad, I spoke to my dad about this at the time. I said, God, you know, it's an absolute mockery. It really, I just can't even believe it. And people were buying blank canvases because oh, they thought God. they could see something in it and all this rubbish. I don't get that. Anyway, and he he spoke to my Uncle Danny about it, who I've talked about before, who was the artist. And and they had a real big conversation about this. And, and my Uncle Danny really had my dad because he was saying no you don't you don't understand you don't understand ted ted's my dad's name um can you not if i you look at this blank canvas can you not see the um the horse and my dad's going no i can't see a horse on that canvas what are you on about this is rubbish and danny said no if you look carefully you can see oh oh hang on it's it's walked away can, can you not see the um the horse <laughs> left behind I'm, I've said it now <laughs> oh, no, so basically again. so basically he's saying it's a load of horse right yeah poo let's yeah. say poo yeah. <laughs> and um and then my dad realized what it was all about so yeah he he also thought it was a load of rubbish but I totally agree with that um yeah uh, my answer was um the kind of art I really dislike is the art that deliberately goes out to shock so I don't like art that is meant to shock someone and is graphically gruesome. And, you know, you get, I think there was one woman, didn't she draw, she painted her dead mother or something. And I just, I just can't, don't get me wrong. That other people might totally disagree with me here, but I don't want art to shock me in a horrible way. I, I love art to make me feel good and to make me ask questions and, I just, I don't enjoy art that is about things that are going to make me feel uncomfortable. So that's just a personal opinion, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so next question. Next question. Alison French Cochrane says, if you were to commission a piece of art from each other, what would you ask for? (laughs) (laughs) I would ask you to um, do my two dogs in your abstract style. Would you? Mm. So my mm. my dog that I have now and the dog I had before, yeah. but she'd have to be a ghost. Uh. So you'd have to do a she'd ghost, have to be a ghost round the eye of Sherlock, wouldn't she? Oh, I see. Now you're getting ideas. You're inspired well, no, already. I did something like that for um, what's his name, um, Judge Rinder. Judge Rinder. Yeah. When the portrait artist of the week, you know. Oh, I was going to yeah, I thought you meant he commissioned you to. I was no, like, oh, God, no, no, no. <laughs> but portrait artist of the week, I drew him on his wall. He had a picture of his dog because he's oh, really, he loves dogs. Yeah. So I drew his dog to share his eye, his smaller eye, basically. Mm. So that's how you could do that. But I have to say, I was thinking about trying some, drawing some dogs the other day, but I don't, I don't enjoy, I like, incorporating them into things but I don't think I like drawing them as much as people right right but I might try them again the only trouble I have with dogs in that style as well is it's really difficult if they have markings mm. well both Just of not... mine were didn't have any markings no at all. but anyway yes so, so what about I don't you? know what if I take that me? commission anyway <laughs> <laughs> what would you ask me to do well I would ask you to Draw someone's face partially distorted behind a glass bottle. And that would be because I know you love painting glass, Uh but you also did a portrait painting class a few years ago. Yeah. So I think it'd be really interesting to see you combine the two. 
Mm. Now, you'd probably reject that commission as well. <laughs> but I don't know. I do I, like. I, I've realised I do like play, painting flesh now. You see, because uh, when I did that whiskey glass, and Paul was hold, I got Paul to hold the glass in his hand, and and I did some fairy lap lights wrapped around his hand, and oh, I love painting hands. So flesh, yeah. and also yeah, that pa- portrait um, painting I did, I I really enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. And I, I, I think just introducing hands and things into some of my still life glass painting, that probably may develop, I think. Yeah. I've thought that for a while because um, I did enjoy it face, a lot. Though? What about Don't a face know. through glass somehow? Maybe, yeah, maybe. I just think that would, fasc- I, it would be fascinating to me to see mm. you do that because mm. it would kind of distort. Oh, it face. would, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I, I'd be really interested to see because you'd have if you had half a face not distorted and then half in the glass it would be. Really yes, yeah, it would. Yeah, I agree. And I might yeah. accept that commission and really? charge, charge you a fortune. Oh my god, <laughs> I can't afford it. <laughs> so give me a blank canvas and tell me it's on there. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, Adrian Sutherland says, "Is kicking the creatives anything like your original version of how you hope it would be?" I would say yes. We both had a vision in mind luckily the same one and we are slowly building towards it um what's your answer Tara yeah I think one of our goals was to encourage people to be creative that was one of our key goals and I think that worked I think we are encouraging people yeah I am gobsmacked we've reached 100 podcasts 101 podcasts or is this 100 and a half (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think it's 101.5 yeah okay Mm. but yeah so, yes, I think it is kind of what we hope for. I want it to develop quicker than it does because I'm impatient. I'm so impatient. Oh, no. Well, there we yeah. go. Shall, shall I do the next one? Yes, please. That is Flynn's Fine Art. And she says, when you are creating a character, how do you keep it consistent throughout the whole project? And I think she's talking mainly about Felicity Fizz here. Well, if she's talking about someone like Felicity Fizz, who, if anyone doesn't know, is a cartoon that I developed, um, developing a style helps obviously if you've got a style in the beginning so for my cartoons I always use the dip pen and watercolor and I just you know I suppose you can always tell even if I did some a different character it's still a Felicity Fizz type drawing do you see what I mean and also I take into account what clothes she's she's got in her wardrobe and she'll often wear something she's worn before and you'll start recognizing things she's she's worn before surroundings things like um, if she's in a certain room you might she'll have a certain color wallpaper behind her sometimes if there is a if there is a background um features concentrate on the features like she has knobbly knees knobbly hands she's kind of skinny long thing (laughs) with lots of nobbles (laughs) and and droopy boobs (laughs) and um she you know I I always make sure that she's always got those kind of features in every obviously I concentrate on those features um and a consistent personality if I suddenly did Felicity Fizz doing something really sensible it wouldn't be her would it she you know Imagine if I did Felicity Fizz doing the housework wearing clothes. Yeah, not normal. You'd think that's this is wrong. This is not her. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I just 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 when you're developing a character, you've got to get to know the character. As if you're getting to know a friend, you've got to start recognizing that, oh, it's, you know, oh, she's worn that before. Or do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah. What about you? 
Well, I've worked with licensing agent in the past, and they've asked for things for characters which were like a style guide. And that's what they do when a character is actually taken up. I mean, unfortunately, mine didn't get taken on. But you would basically put together this guide and it would say where the characters live, their traits of their personality. So it's basically like what you've just been saying about Fisty Fizz, but it'd be put down in writing. It would be the colours you've used to create her, um, what sort of line weight you've used. And then you'd also have the characters shown in different positions. So you'd have a front-on view, a side view, a back view, and a three-quarter view. And then you might also show, if they're a complex character, mine tend to be simple kind of kids' ones, but you might then have a a page of expressions or something. So you'd basically have this whole style guide. And the idea behind that would be that somebody else could pick it up and do anything with your character. They would know what it should look like. Yeah. It's, it's like a style Bible. Yeah. But it could also work for yourself. You could do one for yourself so that you knew that every time you drew her face and she looked happy, this is how she would look. So, yeah, that's, that's what I would do. So we've got Cummins now, which I presume is Nell Cummins, actually. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, she says, this is fabulous, KITC. I'm interested if you think it's okay to only sell limited edition prints of your work and not always the original too and I would say yes why not if you don't want to sell your original why why not absolutely I mean I sell limited edition prints um of my work I always keep them well to date I've only kept them to sort of 25 each because I still want those prints to be special and not something that everyone you know can get do you know what I mean so by having a limited amount it kind of it makes them still you unique to a point where hardly anyone's got them but yeah no if I wanted to keep the original then I I just would I I don't see a problem with that at all do you Tara no I mean definitely I even think sometimes you know it might be less hassle just to sell prints I know that sounds funny but and actually if you've got a print that the only person that's still got the original is the artist could make it even more of a you know something precious do you know what I mean yeah and also if you're doing prints depending on doing because obviously you're getting them printed nearby aren't you when you do yeah. your, you have some photograph your paints but if say you're using an online service that prints them for you it means you don't necessarily have to handle them yourself you mm. might get one you might get an example printed and sent to you yeah but it means that you can almost just leave it to run itself if you know what I, you know what I mean yeah yeah um, so that I think that's kind of a good way of doing things but yeah and also if you get someone like a digital artist well they aren't going to have an original so the only way they can sell their art is by creating prints yeah absolutely so you have another one I do this is from Egg Bunny um, do you follow the art prompts you create yourselves or mostly enjoy creating them creating them creating, creating them, them. Well, I don't follow them, but I do like coming up with them. Um, and the prompts, they're only optional anyway. They're if you can't think of something yourself. So you're like, oh, actually, I really am a bit sort of, uh, I can't think. What, what am I going to do? So you think, oh, actually, I'll just look at the prompt. That'll give me an idea. But you don't have to use the art, art prompts. But no, I, I don't use them. Do you? Well, you did. You have used prompts in the past, haven't you? I've used prompts. Oh, yeah. You've talked about how you've done paintings with a friend and you used to set each other prompts. Yeah, so, yeah. I was presuming um, she meant within yeah. like in the creative challenges, I guess. Right. 
Yeah. Well, they are very helpful, aren't they, prompts? Because they can make you think outside the box. Because you might, if if the prompt, say, is bark, you might have someone drawing something about a dog and somebody else doing a tree (laughs) or something about a tree. You know, you, you can take things in different ways, can't you? Yeah, I mean, when we first started kicking the crocus, I used to follow the prompts mm. when I first started, first started drawing by hand. And that was good because it got me trying out different things. You know, I perhaps wouldn't have drawn otherwise. Yeah. But once I discovered I like drawing faces, I don't now follow the prompts. Although I do sometimes write myself some prompts. So I might write myself something saying like, oh, double exposure. As in, what would it look like if I drew a face and looked like it had been double exposed? Yeah. Do you get what I mean? So yeah. I might create myself some, but I wouldn't actually use the kick in the craves ones necessarily. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was it. They're good if you're stuck, I think. Yeah, yeah. This is from Egg Bunny too. How do you find the time to balance following an art prompt with your daily life? So I'm guessing you mean following the challenges. Well, I spend a lot of time creating the challenges, which doesn't leave me much time to actually do them, a lot of them. Um, But when I have time to create myself, then to be honest, I tend to concentrate on my paintings. Um, I tend to use the challenges under specific circumstances. So, for example, when I had an art block, they really helped me um, for things like that. What about you, Tara? Yeah, I, I rarely follow the prompts now, but... I do think if you are going to follow prompts, you can work them around your daily life. So, you know, make everything a five minute drawing if, mm. if you haven't got much time. I don't think you have to have to be so fixed on things. So if you've committed, well, then you've only got five minutes a day, you either do a five minute drawing or you spend five minutes a day on a drawing that builds up over the months. So yeah, I think definitely adapt things to you. So we also have a question from Jean Jones Bateman, who is um, Paul's auntie (laughs) and Jeremy's mum. And uh, she asks, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? So Tara, where would it be? Well, I think I'd like to live in England in the summer, somewhere near the coast. I don't necessarily know where. Oh, you see, I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say you'd come and live in East Sussex so that we can have a little (laughs) office together. (laughs) But I'd like to, I mean, Devon's lovely in Cornwall. Mm. Um, but then I'd like to move further south for the winter, but I'm not sure where, maybe Spain or somewhere, as I hate the dark nights and the cold. But I haven't really got any specific places, really. See, I like, I like seasons. I like having um, a summer and a winter and an autumn and a spring. I love the different seasons. So I, I love flopping around in in a sundress and flip-flops but I also love wearing a big cozy jumper and sitting in front of a log fire and I'd really miss that I mean I love I've always loved the idea doesn't everyone of moving to Australia because all the weather is amazing but I know that a lot of people that actually live there find it incredibly difficult that it's that hot all the time and the humidity and all the rest of it so to be honest I think we're pretty lucky to live where we are it's not a dangerous place to live most of the people here just want a nice peaceful life we don't have any animals that want to kill us yeah so so I think we're fairly lucky if I had to ch- I mean I'm lucky I live other they call it the sunshine coast where I live it's, it's, it's probably the warmest part of, of England so um, right on the south coast um, if I had to move somewhere else in in England yeah Cornwall Devon that kind Not of area beautiful no <laughs> <laughs> No, I see. I love no, to we can have a studio together. <laughs> no, we should. We both moved to Cornwall. 
could do, can we? Yeah. yeah. But no, I think we're pretty safe here and we're pretty accommodating and it's generally peaceful. If you walk down the street at night, you're not likely to be held at gunpoint. Um, yeah, so I think England, we've got it quite good, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so you've got another question. Yeah, I've got one from Carla Hawke, and it is, how do you get past discouraging marks? Marks or remarks? Oh, remarks, sorry. <laughs> discouraging remarks. I haven't had any of those for a long time. Uh, I think as artists, it helps to have a thick skin, though, because not everyone's going to appreciate your art. Um, if it was an online troll, then I think I'd just ignore them, to be honest. Um, but no, I ha- I, I'm, I've been lucky I haven't had any for, I think when I first started out, I used to be very, very sensitive to them. Maybe I just don't notice now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what Maybe about you? Got you? Thick skin, yeah. Yeah, what about you? Um, I, I think you have to decide if the person's actually worth listening to first. Because mm, mm. if they're not, you may as well just put it back to, back to your mind, even though that's really hard. If they are worth listening to, see if there's anything constructive you can take from it. Um, I mean, I suppose as well, it depends whether you mean discouraging marks as in uh, remarks. I'm saying it now. Discouraging remarks as in being not enjoying your work and saying they don't like your work. Or if you mean discouraging as in they're discouraging you to do it in perhaps the style you're doing. Because I've had that before where I've, especially in the beginning, you know, really discouraged to paint in a realism style. But that's what, and then I, and in that case, I ignored it completely because that's what I wanted to do. And I was just like, well, I don't care really whether you think I should be looser or this or that. I don't care. This is this is what I love doing. And why why would I do any different just for this for the sake of what other people want? That's just I want this painting to be what I want it to be, not what someone else wants it to be. So yeah, I I pretty much just ignore anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the worst remarks I had, it wasn't about art, it was about graphic design, but I was literally, and I've mentioned this before, I'd literally just near the end of my college for graphic design, and my tutor suggested I go to see this company just to, you know, chat about my portfolio and stuff. So I arranged it, and I had an interview with them, and they basically told me I wasn't up to being a graphic designer and would be lucky to get a job in a print shop. (gasps) That's just cruel, yeah. isn't it? Which, which is just totally, totally cruel. And what would have been far better would for them to be to encourage me and suggest good learning material. Mm. Because it's just like, what good has that done me? I've just done two, a two-year course to learn graphic design. Yeah. My tutors obviously think I'm good enough because they've sent me here because, you know, they were encouraging. Mm. Um, so what, what is the point in you telling me this? Exactly. It does nothing. Also, Carrier Hawk, she also asked, oh, is it Carla? Carla Hawk. How do you get past feeling no inspiration? So, Tara, you start. I don't really have that problem at all with art, but I did for graphic design. Mm. I think good ways of getting past not having ideas is to create a mood board. Yeah. Or to create a mind map and let your mind and your ideas drift. But we've got loads of ideas, haven't we, in episode 92, which is idea generation techniques for art ideas. Um, my answer would be a break sometimes helps. Um, just a small one, not too long, a couple of weeks. Visiting local art galleries, that's one of my favourite things to do um, when I'm sort of going through a, a period of no inspiration. Reading art books, who doesn't love an art book? I mean, 
I just love art books and it's just not the same on a Kindle. You've got to have the proper ones, you know, that you turn the page and watching art related programs. So yeah, all of those things. Um, it, so at least if I'm not actually doing it, I'm still, I'm still in, absorbing it in some way. And that usually gets me rushing back to the easel. Uh, so the next question is from Stephen Foy. We've had a lot of family members, you know, <laughs> commenting on this because Stephen Foy is um, uh, our brother-in-law, Paul's sister's husband. <laughs> he says, if the formula for area equals pi times the radius squared, R should stand for the radius measurement of the circle, meaning the formula is area equal to pi R squared. So working from that, how many crisps should you get in a 300 gram packet, whole ones included? Yeah, and so, in Americans, that is chips. That's a bag of chips. Oh, bag of chips, yeah. Yeah. So what's your answer then, Tara? Did 50, you look 50, this up? 52, yeah, 52. Did you really look that up? Yeah, it's 52. Is it really? No, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I asked my Google Home speaker, and I can't, yeah. I can't air what the words that came back to me were. It was two, <laughs> really? it was two of them. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I did ask Siri, I don't know what you mean. Or here is a website yeah. on Pi. So, yeah, sorry, Steve. I'm really sorry. To, uh, do you know what? I really wanted to be clever and come back. I don't and... think there is an answer sometimes. No, I wanted to be clever and try and answer it with a really <laughs> But tell him it's 50, 52. 52, okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, that is the final question. So I think we had so many, didn't we? Absolutely loads. And um, I suppose this is this is the point, isn't it, where we would usually read out um, a question for you listeners out there but obviously this is going to be another long episode so we're going to ask the question in in our next normal episode with the two of us instead in fact the next episode is not going to be the two of us is it? it's going to be an interview with Nick George um, anyone who hasn't seen Nick George's work look him up online he is amazing he's he does faces doesn't he Tara and I've got to say, he's quite hot as well. He's, he is, he's, he's <laughs> got like, nice abs. He's, he, yeah, oh my gosh. He, his art is eye candy, but if you think his art is eye candy, I mean, he's way too young. <laughs> so when does actually Nick George's episode air? Because isn't this the last one that we're recording with the two of us before yeah, Christmas? Yeah, it is. Yeah, so Nick, I think we're going to air Nick on the 10th of January. So I suppose we need to say happy Christmas to everyone, don't we? Or happy holidays. So shall we start singing now? No, let's just say happy Christmas and happy holidays. So dull. Oh, I'll let you see if you want to go for it. No, I, I, I'd only want to do it as a duet. We okay. do everything together. Mm. <laughs> happy Christmas, everyone. Then. Happy Christmas, everyone. And yeah, we, we do take a break over Christmas. It's pointless us airing an episode right on pretty much Christmas and New Year because none of you are going to be able to listen because you'll be too busy having fun. So, um, But meanwhile, you can always pop over to our website at kickinthecreatives.com to find out how you can take part in some of our upcoming creative challenges. And of course, there you can also uh, subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and just a reminder the next episode will be the two of us talking about normal things not not the ask us anything thing <laughs> and <laughs> if you are enjoying the podcast we would be really really grateful if you would leave us a little review on itunes consider it a christmas present <laughs> to tara yeah. and i or even just a star rating if you don't have much time yeah, if you do have any ideas for subjects as well that you'd like us to cover, obviously uh, drop us a, a message with those because we're always interested in hearing that. Yeah. 
And don't forget to check out our courses. We've got, well, I'm actually a guest artist in Let's Face It. And you can find that at kickingthecreatives.com forward slash let's face it. That's a portrait drawing course. I think there's 27 artists and that lasts over the whole year. That, that's an affiliate link. So we do get a commission if you use that link, uh, which helps support Kick the Creatives. Again, a, pres- a Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, if you enjoy what we do and you'd like to help support us here at uh, Christmas at Kick and the Creatives, you can now support us by buying a coffee and you can find the link on our website. So we will be back in the new year and, um, you know, it's been a fabulous year. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. And, And obviously, if you do miss us that much, you can always go back and have a look at our last 101 episodes and perhaps you'll find one you haven't heard before so uh yeah one of my favorites was general art tips i think that's a good one got any favorites tara you can recommend um i like the idea ones i think yeah the idea generation ones yeah. yeah yeah so have fun with those and we will see you back on the 10th yep see ya bye bye Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and if you did, perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on iTunes.